0: This is Two Girls, One Mike, the show that talks about the holes and plot holes of your favorite porn.
1: Welcome to Two Girls, One Mike, the porn cast that you will know the hosts have been replaced by fembots when Yvette is no longer drinking Diet Coke and Alice is no longer using Segways. I'm your co-host Yvette D'Entremont, who is still drinking Diet Coke. Often and heavily. And here is your segue-loving co-host, Alice, who I don't think is a fembot yet. Alice, are your titties shooting out lasers at us yet, or are you, are you not a fembot, or is that just an upgrade?
2: So first off, um, is this the same thing as if uh, your erection lasts longer than four hours, you should call a doctor if your titties start shooting out randomly hey, lasers?
1: if I were a person that could have an erection and I had one that lasted longer than four hours, I would call my doctor to brag. Just so
2: Alternatively, if my segues happen to get better, please assume that I've just been replaced.
1: If one day I stop stuttering and our editor hasn't done any work on it, that's how you'll know.
2: If I uh, don't have to interrupt an event ever (laughs) to get back on track, yeah, I've definitely been replaced. And if I don't need
1: interrupting, (laughs) something has gone wrong, or the therapy will have worked, or we've gotten my meds right. Something good has happened, or something horribly
0: wrong, and we're not sure which...
1: Speaking of something horribly wrong happening to us, Andrew Heaton is here. Thank you.
0: Thank you. And, <laughs> and uh, by way of introduction, I have four-hour erections pretty much every time. And, yeah. and I call my doctor if that doesn't happen. Oh, man. You can bend horseshoes around them. Well, hey, It's so welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you. Hey, it's fun to be here. I like you all. You're funny. I'm really (laughs) flattered that you invited me on your show. We
1: met Andrew on his show. Actually, I don't know how you two met and how, how we smashed into each other in the universe.
0: Alice and I were briefly married in the early 2000s, and it didn't work out, but we're still friends.
1: Kind of like Bill Maher and Ann Coulter were secretly married. (laughs)
0: Uh,
2: Were
1: they? That's the rumor that I've been working on spreading.
0: I totally think they banged. A hundred percent think they banged. If
1: they have not fucked. If they swear it on a stack of Bibles, I'll be like, Bill, you're an atheist. I don't fucking believe you still. (laughs) so He's definitely worn her as a hat for his penis. I don't believe anything otherwise.
2: I mean, you get two egos like that into a room. They're going to have to show each other their dicks. And Anne has a bigger one.
1: True story. I have a um, a trans girlfriend who uh, people have told her she looks like Anne Coulter. And she says, yeah, and I do her in my act. She's also a stand-up comedian. <laughs> So
0: I think it's amazing. I am greatly impressive. And g- given that I host the political orphanage, I feel like I should find this person. That seems like good overlap.
1: Her name is Lorelai Arisus. She's amazing. I, I She was Miss Trans New England. She's a, It's She's been known to open up one of her routines with, I'm a six foot three trans woman. And that is the least interesting thing about me. She's fantastic.
2: <laughs> Whereas I have a, a gay best friend who has apparently hung out with Ann Coulter to the point where she's gone, this is allegedly, guys, this is off the record, aka on the record because it's on the show. As you're saying that on the show that we have. That's public. Allegedly. Exactly. Allegedly, Ann Coulter got drunk, went with him uh, to uh, the graveyard of where Checkers, Richard Nixon's dog, is buried. So this is a thing she does late at night.
0: Did they bang, or did she just want to go cry at the grave of Checkers, that great Kate American hero? Uh,
2: did she bang my gay best
1: friend, or did she bang the dead dog? I'm confused. Did she go to, like, what did they do at Checkers' grave? I This is what I missed here.
2: That's a great question. Uh, I don't know. She really wanted to visit you it. You know, a
0: lot of people don't know that if you want to summon a demon, you need the corpse <laughs> of a dead presidential dog.
2: Yeah, uh, Which I is mean... why
0: Buddy has been really helpful. Which Wouldn't Buddy uh, Bush's dog—I can't remember. I, was, I, I had to think real quick. Quick.
1: My dog is named Buddy, so I was oh, just no. like, "What?" I was just like, "What are you talking about?" He's in fine health.
0: Don't fucking run for president. Somebody'll steal your dog and use it for voodoo.
1: It's funny because, like, I love my followers, but like my nutjob followers, whenever I say something vaguely intelligent, they're like, sigh, babe, for president." I'm like, "Shut the fuck up." <laughs> I, know, <laughs> I know, I know, who I live in T- Like, I, I know there are pictures of me going in and out of swingers clubs. These are not things that like I should do ever in my.
0: So I had people that were like, hey, like we don't like uh, any of these candidates. You should run for president. And what I eventually agreed was I'm running on the wig ticket in 2020, but as vice president, (laughs) and we're not having a presidential candidate. So I'm only (laughs) running for vice president. And uh, it's been pretty fun. How
1: old are you if I is is okay if I ask?
0: I'm thirty six. I know I look younger and more virile than that, but I'm thirty six.
1: I'm thirty seven. I'm old enough to be the president. So I can run as president for the wig ticket.
0: I might well do that.
1: No one will vote for us. It'll be fine.
0: Well, actually the the, the weird thing now is that because I, I was legitimately trying to get on the ballot Louisiana. Oh my God. <laughs> like like I I, I I was like my here's my protocol.
1: It's funny now because it didn't happen, but like I'd be yelling at you if you actually did it because it's like
0: Oh no, I had a whole plan. like for the right, I didn't want to be a spoiler in any like in any swing state.
1: Because it was Louisiana, it was like, okay. This right. Is I fine. was
0: like, like, if it was gonna <laughs> you do it— You weren't
2: gonna Kanye this. No, no
0: I was going I would only do it in a state that had like ranked choice voting, where yeah. ultimately was already a red state. And so I wanted to do it in Louisiana. Unfortunately, due to COVID, I just really couldn't get the electors necessary. I had six <laughs> oh out of eight rogue wig party. We decided to rename ourselves the rogue wig party in case there were any other alternate wig parties. I wasn't able to get enough of them. And now what's happening is I have people in Ohio and Pennsylvania going, don't worry, I'm going to write you in. And I'm going, please don't do that. (laughs) So the next step of my wig campaign is I am going to wage a relentless campaign against myself. (laughs) Don't vote wig in 2020.
1: Now that I'm officially your running mate and you're, you're my vice president, can we now officially go and run against ourselves?
0: Wait, hold on. So what, we're just going to go up against each other?
1: The Dantrema-Heaton ticket is trying to tell people not to vote for the Dantrema-Heaton ticket. That is our only... We're not telling people who to vote for. I mean...
0: I do find it funny to not have a president at the top of the ticket, so I'm hesitant to do that. However, I would be, <gasps> I can, open, I understand. I'd be open to running with you as joint vice presidents. That Oh, me oh as I a like more, that even better. Yeah, so I'm, I'm open to that. And yeah, my plan is to actually put yard signs in Ohio that say, don't vote Whig, just to confuse the fuck out of people that are like, wait, I thought it was Republican or Democrat.
1: <gasps> joint VP because neither of us trust ourselves to be in charge. <laughs>
0: Listen. We figure one of us will be sober if the president is dead. That's our that's our plan.
2: Occasionally, I might not be high. <laughs> that's the best promise that anyone can offer. We could take shifts. Here's the. You can't expect
0: me if there's a nuclear football involved. I'll, like I'll be sober Sunday through Wednesday.
1: I'll do the science things. You do the, like, people handshaky things. I'll do yeah. the things that need a really delicate touch, because sometimes I can do that. Anything that's, like, somewhere in between that needs a lot of schmoozing, because we're very good at that, because we're comedians. Yeah. We're good schmoozers. Look, all they need is to put a couple of comics in charge
2: of the country. Oh, oh, oh. Can I be your Kelly Conway? That was already planned, obviously. Yeah,
0: makes sense to me. Yeah.
2: Right? I'm blonde. My hair is a mess. I can never manage it. I'm in a dysfunctional relationship <laughs> that I will only be exacerbated by my imaginary child on TikTok. Yes.
1: <laughs> I'm just saying, Teddy's going to is gonna out everything on TikTok. The videos of Teddy twerking uh, are oh, going to be dog. amazing. And I'll add, your, yeah. your
0: dogs can be in it. Here about a month ago, somebody asked, they wrote to me and went, I really like my dog. I feel like my dog exemplifies wig values. May my dog be <laughs> an elector in the wig party? And I was like, who am I to turn this down? And I mentioned it, and then everybody started sending me dog pictures. Oh my God. So the, the wig party now has... Interestingly, far more members that are dogs than actual – or far more electors than, than human members, which I take as a very positive sign of the, the great groundswell for the Whig Party.
1: In high school, we had to rewrite the Constitution and write it as we saw fit. And one of the things that, like, and because I was valedictorian, so of course I was the person that always got assigned to fucking write shit. One of the things that we wrote was there would be two vice presidents. So I heavily approve of this, like, two VPs thing. So, Mm -hmm. like, and the two VPs could, if they were in agreement on something, they could veto the president. I liked that. I like the idea of having two VPs to tell the president, nah, nah, you're being dumb. This isn't okay.
0: The other thing I would love your input on is, like, so far the the policy in the Whig Party is somebody asked where I stand on making Pluto a planet again. And I just kind of shot from the hip and went, I don't care, but we should destroy it. So, like, that's one of the hallmark uh, issues of the Whig Party is we're going to destroy Pluto. And I can't remember what the other stuff I said was. I think it was like we're going to move the border north by 20 miles on both ends because I don't like being hot. So we're going to try and give the hot places in America, including most of Florida, to Mexico, but we're going to take Alberta.
2: I think that's a fair trade. I'd be willing to take Toronto in exchange for giving up Florida.
0: Yeah, I think even Florida would probably be gung-ho on that. Like, really, we all agree.
2: I'm trying to figure out
1: if that would make my Canadian relatives American now or not. And if that were the case, I, I disagree because I want a safe haven out of this country just in case, just in mm. case. I'm just saying, I don't know if, like, the way that we move the line up, I don't know if it's going to cut off.
0: That makes total sense. And given on the level of corruption I'm planning engaging in, I should really have a fallback (laughs) option to get out of the country.
1: Let's let the maritime provinces stay as they are because they're not connected to the lower 48. That's how we can have our out.
0: How about Vancouver's considered like at like an autonomous island? Vancouver's like the Taiwan of Canada.
1: What we should do is we should allow the Cascadian uh states break off into their own country. And that includes va- basically Vancouver, Washington. Technically, it's only certain geological parts, it's supposed to be the Cascadian mountain range, but we should let Vancouver, Washington, Oregon, and, and California all just break off into being Cascadia. And that way Isn't it supposed to break off eventually from a massive earthquake? Yes, from specifically from the Cascadian uh, plate or range, but yeah, there's a-
0: Quit fracking, Canadians. You're ruining it for everybody.
1: Oh, man. Or continue. A massive (laughs) earthquake from that plate is expected in about the next 50 years or so. Like, way more massive than anything the San Andreas Fault has or could ever produce.
2: So what we're saying is uh, move to New York. We're not overpopulated yet. (laughs) Real estate's cheap now.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, between everything being on fire and uh, multiple the big ones coming, this is shit is very metal out here right now.
0: So I mentioned before we started recording that I'm I'm leaving Cali- or I'm leaving Los Angeles on Thursday. I'm I'm, pr- I'm probably going to be up in Oakland for the uh, up until the election because I've got a friend I want to collaborate up there with. Yeah. Uh, but after that, I'm thinking I might just bounce around for a few months as I don't see any benefit to being in a, in any one location right now. Like yeah. I can't meet anybody new unless it's through a computer. And I don't like it. So, like, I think the name of the game is just avoid paying rent and taxes.
2: <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you could avoid paying taxes. We'll the taxes. IRS will figure that one out. Uh, well,
0: and for their purposes, I've been Swiss and dead since 1994. So they're not going to get me.
2: Okay. I mean, as
1: long as you're both
2: Swiss and dead. Yeah. yeah. And you're not collecting Social Security or any disability checks. Not mine. Okay. <laughs> So, so hold
1: on. Let me just let me just oh, click man. the the FBI into the line. so that one more time.
0: <laughs> I just said that flags are great, and that <laughs> I, I I sure respect our boys in blue or black or whoever the FBI agents are, and ditto NSA fellows. Tip of the hat to you.
1: Great people, all uh, yeah. of them. We love I, and respect yeah. their ability to hijack our freedom.
2: <laughs> our favorite FBI agent is listening to this podcast episode.
1: Nice. That's it. And hopefully jerking off to
0: it. Yep. Hey, Brad.
2: (laughs) Oh, man. So, guys, we reviewed a porn today.
1: Mm -hmm. We didn't just come on to talk politics and jerk-offs. I mean, that's
2: kind of what we came here to do.
0: But Half of that is correct. (laughs) I said just.
2: That's true. Okay, my bad. So, guys, we reviewed Austin Powers Triple X, a porn parody from 2014, and I was so excited that we decided to do this because, okay, so first off, the cast for this was phenomenal, but also when I saw that the director of this made not only, please make me a lesbian, 18, <laughs> big-ass dreams.
0: Man, that, that lady needs to become a lesbian. That, that, like, if she's tried 18 times, I, maybe she's just straight. Let it go, Barbara. She
1: really needs to be convinced. She's like, you know, I I still kind of like Dick, even though I like. She wants to make sure that she's a hundred percent sold on just the pussy. Mm-hmm. I don't know.
2: He's also made sex quake. You know, our lifetimes Sharknado sex quake.
0: The best Cascadian porn there is. <laughs> uh, with with the biggest one coming out sometime in the next fifty years.
2: People are going to be fucking during the Cascading Quake, and that's what it's going to be called.
0: Or some guy is going to think he produced a phenomenal orgasm. <laughs> He's going to be like, wow, this time you really did it, Pete. Look at her shake. Just like in that film I watched. <laughs> Lesbian Be 18 or whatever the fuck it was we said a minute ago.
2: And aside from making 221 other porn films, uh, this was directed by B. Skov, if that matters to anyone. Yvette, he made Clerks X and <gasps> Pee-wee's X Adventure.
1: Oh my God. Pee-wee was amazing. Like I, there are a handful of porns that like we have a, a deep abiding love for on this podcast. And, and Pee-wee's is one that I always recommend people. It's like, look, if you watched it as, at all as a kid, if you haven't watched it since you were like nine, it, everything will come flooding back only with penises <laughs> watching this. <laughs> it's perfect. It's just this perfect recreation. Like the first, like ten minutes or so, the opening sequence is just this perfect recreation of everything. And Tommy, uh, the same actor who uh, who's the lead character in this, Tommy Pistol, does this perfect spot on recreation of uh, Pee Wee, and it's just it's wonderful. And is, it's- is, is
0: this how you can you can kind of crab walk into the porn industry? Like if if you're not like particularly good looking, but you're like I I was very funny in my high school play. Like I went through the groundlings. And like I've medium sized penis. Maybe I could just be the funny porn guy. Like hats off, Pete Pistol.
2: It's Tommy Pistol, sir. Tommy Pistol. How I apologize, dare you s-
0: Alice? I apologize to Tommy.
2: He is a multi-award winning actor for his porn.
1: He is a thespian, sir.
2: He's actually Sagafra. He's like He's fantastic and he's a friend of the show. <laughs>
0: I think he's got good comedic timing. Let him know I was impressed.
2: The thing
1: about like him and Evan Stone is that they're decent actors for like actors. Like and there are a lot of people who are kind of like, ah, they're okay for porn actors. These two can act, and they just kind of happen to also be okay at fucking wow. They're like Tommy more so than anyone else in the industry can fuck well in character. That is a skill, and I don't. I don't know if I've told you about this before. We haven't mentioned this for a few episodes. Those of you who know what I'm about to say, just fast forward about thirty seconds. We have from Tommy's film Horat, of course, the Borat parody, the Horat challenge, the Horat challenge. So, of course, he stayed in character as as Horat uh, during during sex, and I was so amazed by that because I thought about it. I'm like, all right, guys, if you don't think there's acting in porn. I want you to while you're in that special moment and things are getting really hot things are getting really serious things are about to blow with your special person I want you to look into their eyes and say "very nice" And everyone keep their erections somehow and everyone not have a weird moment because that's what Tommy Pistol manages to do in all of his scenes. And everyone keeps fucking like it's just what they're supposed to be doing. And like I had one time I was I was having sexy times with my husband and like it came into my mind. I should uh, oh the Horat challenge I and look like look my pussy was just in too good of a place to be able to get the words very not na- I couldn't I could not do it so like look there's acting in porn is what I'm saying
2: actually more specifically uh so the t- scene that I will never forget and it's actually from Horat, which really attests to the acting ability in porn <laughs> and I know again I've mentioned this on the show many episodes ago. It's actually the scene where after Tommy, a.k.a. Horat, is sucked off in uh, an RV by a beautiful (laughs) college-age girl. We all know how anti-Semitic Borat is. Well, Horat's no different. And when he finds out that this beautiful (laughs) college-age sorority girl is a Jew— The depression that overcomes his face and his eyes. You can't, like, I don't know where he went to get that look or that feeling, but he was still hard. He was so, he was depressed. Like, he looked like he was traumatized and wanted to cry. And that was acting.
0: I agree. This sounds far more difficult than like doing math and having sex. I'm very impressed with this.
2: Uh, I've tried
1: to think about the, uh, the what we have to do for decorating in, in here whilst, uh, whilst banging. I can't do uh, scripts whilst sexy times are,
0: no. I mean, as, as I said earlier, since I tend to have four hour erections, eventually I just get bored and a, a lot of the time recite speeches and things, but it's more of a monologue than acting. Maybe I should actually switch careers. Uh, cause I feel like I've gotten in trouble for cracking jokes in the throes of passion where the young lady's like, what are you doing? Like, like just focus, you know, like, please don't, please don't joke, tell jokes. And I'm like, maybe if I could get out of stand-up mode into, uh, like I could probably rock a solid John Cleese or something if they wanted to make like <laughs> a, like a good, uh, like, like you know, a body Python type porn parody. Maybe, uh, I'm looking at myself at the, the thing I like, maybe, uh. Like John Lithgow, if they wanted to do like uh, Third Rock from the Sun, so like maybe I should go that direction.
2: Look, I'm sure if Third Cock from the Sun has not been made, Third Cock from
0: the Sun. (laughs) You know what? I you know what? That's great too because then I can ease into it. I can just be the guy in the closet. Like I'm not even necessarily like like taking my pants off on camera. This is a good plan.
1: The big question the first time one goes to try their hand uh, or their dick at a porn career is always, can you get it up whilst there's a room of strangers videotaping you?
0: Here again, that's the only way I can get it up. All of the All of the things that you're saying indicate that I should go into this field.
1: Andrew, uh, so after the show, we're we're gonna talk. <laughs> we can make some phone calls. We're just saying we can Great. we can
0: we can call some people. Tell them to wait till after the election. I want to see if I win vice president. <laughs> but if if I don't, that's my fallback option.
2: All right. So let's start with the regular Austin Powers, a non porn version. So, Andrew, if someone has never seen Austin Powers or any of the amazing sequels, you know the spy who shagged me, Gold Member, how would you describe it?
0: It is a wonderful 1990s comedic romp, starring a great guy from Saturday Night Live, Mike
2: Myers, Mike from Myers, Canada, who played
0: Shrek. About a paradoxically unattractive yet national sex icon, 70s spy <laughs> who is cryogenically frozen and returns in the 90s amidst uh, great juxtaposed humor to defeat his foe.
2: Who is
0: Doctor Evil?
2: Mm-hmm. And actually, uh, Mike Myers wrote the Austin Power series, so he created it. Well done. He
0: did. That's great. I like the humor. It's stupendous.
2: And uh, I found out that it made over $676 million, so super, super successful. One of the things that I found that was so interesting was—so uh, one of the films was called The Spy Who Shagged Me, but a lot of countries weren't comfortable with the subtitle of the film. Huh. So they kept changing it to like Singapore came up with the spy who shoinked me. In English, shoink means treat nicely. Sh- <laughs> wh- wh- which country was this again? Singapore. Oh my In God. Malaysia, they censored it to the spy who dot 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 me. Great. Yeah, because no one knew what that meant.
0: In China, and granted, this isn't for uh, Austin Powers, but Bohemian Rhapsody, when that came out, China cut out all the gay stuff. So, <laughs> which. What? Which I think is fascinating because that kind of changes the whole demeanor of the film. Like, he's just yeah. kind of happily married and then he has AIDS and he dies. Like, it's, it cuts out <laughs> a significant amount of stuff.
2: He must have done a heroine.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Jesus.
2: I guess the only other interesting fact that I saw when I was looking up uh, stuff about the Austin Powers franchise is Mr. Bigglesworth the cat. Yes. So, Dr. Evil's cat. Can you guys guess what his name in real life is? Um,
1: there are a zillion names you could name a cat.
0: I'm gonna like hold smoke. on. I'm gonna. I'm gonna try this. Frederick.
2: No, close. Johnson. Percy, even closer. Hubert. <sighs> Ted Nugent. No. Oh my god. Okay. All right.
0: Nude. Because yeah, I thought it would have something to do with being naked, but I wasn't sure what it was, and I forgot sphinx cats fucking love Ted Nugent. It makes perfect sense. I should have <laughs> known that. If you have a sphinx cat. Put Ted Nugent on the TV. It'll be absolutely rhapsodized.
1: They're way into Hick Rock, man. And evading the
2: military. Yep. After filleting them in their music. Yeah, that, that's why you don't see a lot of Sphinx cats in the armed forces.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they're <laughs> and they're cowards.
2: Right. Uh, so going to the porn. So the porn was actually made in not in the 90s, but in 2014. It's 98 minutes. We have a ton of the – guys, if you listen to the show, you know our favorites. We have Tommy Pistol. We have Evan Stone, Nina Hartley. We even have Allie Hayes and Natasha Nice in this. So I was excited. And I have to say, I saw the preview for this and I wasn't sure what to think about it. But then once I saw the movie, I was like, all right, before we go like kind of scene by scene, how did you guys feel overall?
1: As I like to say, the thing that makes a good uh, parody is that it feels like the movie. They get all those little bumps and and those little beats for it, and that this had all those familiar beats from the Austin Powers movies that they really worked in wonderfully. Uh, and of course, Tommy was great in
0: the role.
2: Andrew, so I assume this was your first time watching a porn with the plot. Thoughts.
0: You're correct. This was a fascinating experience for me. Like I kind of, I, I warned you all before I came on that <laughs> basically, like if you shook a Norman Rockwell painting and like a comedian fell out, that's kind of where I'm coming from. So normally, my relationship with porn is it, it, that the porn clips themselves are in small bursts. Unfortunately, a lot of the time, the guy seems to be kind of angry, which I don't like and it's something that you that you engage in and, and then just don't tell anybody about where the light's off and the blind's up and all that kind of stuff. This, though, I enjoyed it. I watched it, and I was like, everybody seems like they're having a good time. Like, I bet eh. afterwards they all went out and got burgers because of that vigorous fucking that, that really burns a lot of calories, <laughs> and, and they probably made friends, and they seem like they're having a good time. So I, I enjoyed it, and I thought it was funny. Like, I was impressed with, early on, I was like, they have good comedic timing. I was expecting very bad readings of lines Followed by massive wangs. That's what I thought it was going to be. But it was actually per- like good timing and, and it was like, wow, like I'm, I'm impressed.
1: You got Tommy Pistol, the great le- reading of lines and the average wangs of porn. <laughs> he accepted an award once and I, I he said when he got his acceptance speech, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, uh, this is for all the guys with beer guts and average dicks out there. <laughs>
0: That man deserves a statue. I hope one day. I hope one day.
1: We need to replace at least one of the
2: Confederate statues with him. Let's get rid of
1: like four of them. He deserves statues in many
0: towns. If you find a Confederate statue that doesn't have a beard, if you just put a wang on it, could that be him? Could we like adapt it and then just declare that the Tommy Pistol statue?
1: He has acted so many different characters that we could like just adjust the face a little to be the Tommy Pistol acting them face.
0: Or if he ever portrays Robert E Lee with his pants off, you could all you have to do is now adapt that statue and now it's it's Tommy Pistol being Robert E Lee.
2: Just add Tommy Pistol's exact dick. Yeah, exactly. I have a conspiracy theory. Guys, work with me on this. I think that the Confederate statues are keeping some people in business. And what I mean is there are a handful of individuals out there that for a living specialize in making Confederate statues, and they bank on people destroying them so they can put up new ones.
0: Oh, wow. So it's like an insurance scam, or at least they know that they're going to keep making them?
2: Right, no one's wanna, gonna want to topple like a Princess Diana statue.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think you're onto something. That could definitely be a thing. Yeah,
1: weirder shit has happened.
0: Is a side note, you know in uh, in Ukraine, there's a guy that finds old linen statues and he welds uh, gloves and a Darth Vader helmet and a cape to them to make them very realistic looking Darth Vader statues. And I'm like, like I am such a oh, sci-fi nerd. That you, there's really very few people in the American pantheon, good or bad, that I wouldn't actively replaced with Darth Vader if given the option just because I would enjoy it so much. So I feel like that's that's a thing we could do.
1: I think we could do that to some Confederate statues. That's an upgrade. Yeah. And people are going to be like, I think if they see a Darth Vader helmet, they're going to be like, what the? And then they'll go read the inscription and they wouldn't have read it if they just saw some guy with a hat from three centuries ago.
0: Same thing with the wang. If if you came exactly. over there, you're like, "Is that man Robert E. looks way more erect and virile in that statue than normal?" Uh, let's let's uh, let's go read this. Oh, this is interesting. I hadn't known about the Battle of Antietam.
1: He sure has a hard on for killing people. Jesus,
2: <laughs> you know. And this could happen considering Tommy Pistol has played like some of the guys from Duck Dynasty. So why not play Robert E. Lee?
1: Okay, I have a proposal for our listeners. Don't go out and try to topple statues or spray paint statues. If you've got an old schlong, an old dildo that you are no longer using, just go up to a statue with your mask because you need to be social distancing. And I'm just saying, consider consider alleviating yourself of ownership of your dildo Onto the mm, frontal area of that statue.
2: Hashtag dick the Confederacy.
0: <laughs> Here, here's what I'm thinking. Can we design a pneumatic mechanism in statues where if you put a quarter in the slot, a little bit of chub comes out? But if you put in like a dollar, it starts like, but it's so, but the money goes to charity. So if you don't put the money in there, you're being an asshole. Oh
1: my God we're bad people. (laughs) Hashtag Dick the Confederacy, do it.
0: Andrew, I heard that your show got canceled. What happened exactly? Well, it's kind of complicated, but it involves I was reviewing porn involving Austin Powers, but I brought up something about giving Robert E. Lee a robot dick and it somehow it spiraled out of control. I don't know why.
1: We recommended that people do a thing that was turned out to be a federal crime and we uh, got in trouble. (laughs) Don't do it. Don't yeah. do, or do it. It's
2: a bad idea. Do it. Don't do it. Who would say such so a do it? Don't do it. <laughs> so... I knew I was in for a good time when I saw on IMDb. Uh, so there's plot keywords. I didn't realize this, uh, that each film has different plot keywords. So the plot keywords for Austin Powers Triple X include fingering anus, telephone call, banana, handgun, breast sucking. And there's more. There's apparently see all 31. So I was really excited when I saw some of those. Nice.
0: I was really hoping you were going to, when you said plot points, that you were going to be like overcoming obstacles Learning to love yourself, like that kind of thing. Because <laughs> like, like, then I was like, man, I need to learn even more about porn. That people are going in going, I really want a feel-good movie where I learn something about science, but also come really hard. And I'd be like, wow, okay.
2: That's a Bill Nye porn. We That's haven't gotten a- it yet. <laughs> that could be a porn plot that we write. Oh, God, you know that would be a porn plot we write and consult. Exactly.
0: Has anybody tried using porn educationally or as agitprop yet? Like, has that been done? Because like like I like I watched this and enjoyed it, but if you if you did one where you like we're gonna bang, but also we're gonna explain comparative advantage, I'm like, hmm, maybe I could teach economics through this. I could get some some basic literacy pumped up.
2: Actually, on Pornhub, in the comments section, a lot of times people I'm not kidding are discussing like math homework.
0: Yeah, thanks, Tyler Cowen. Really appreciate the waying out on the message board.
2: Of course, I would be on the mess- porn message boards.
1: You need to see what our audience is up to. You need to see what our core people are doing.
2: So should we just get into uh, walking through this thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we open on uh, 1967 London. We open with Austin Powers taking random photos and dancing, you know, in his iconical, yeah, baby, Mike Myers type voice. You know, his teeth are horrible. And I have to say, when Tommy's taking photos of the woman and, you know, he's telling her to give it to him and, you know, be sexy and be raunchy, I think this is what we've always assumed Austin Powers was doing.
0: So this is really just more the director's cut. It's not even so much a parody, as just the extended scenes. Like, if you combine them, yeah.
2: I have to say, though, I did really appreciate when they started going for, like, the Austin Powers-like joke of, uh, let's go for a more organic view, and then he keeps pointing at his junk, and she doesn't understand what he's talking about. Even when he takes off his pants, she has no clue
0: again great comedic timing and i like the 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 thing i enjoyed was that like she's naked he's invoking this situation and she seems kind of like n- not liking what's happening and it's like well i can blow you and then they they move into it and i was like ah
2: this is good right so what's interesting and i want to just talk about his sexual exploits with this character before the big reveal of this character because so he bones her and this is important by the way in my opinion it's an important plot point because In the next scene, Agent Kensington comes to his door. She continues to blow him. And he's Tommy, of course, has had or Austin has had sex with this woman uh, or what we think is a woman uh, because apparently she was a man. And this is not a trans joke. This is like all of a sudden the same character is now a full-fledged man with a beard in the next scene.
1: Or what J.K. Rowling thinks a trans woman is.
0: I just thought it was a good callback. Because I was like, I remember that in the original film. Yeah. And I was like, Wait, way to make use of that.
1: Jokes that they would not be able to make now. Oof. Oh, oh
0: man, right. that's yeah. so
2: true. Yeah.
0: Unless they were having sex with them.
2: And here's the thing. Austin said that he didn't know how he would know if that she's a man. But it's like, you just, I mean, how were they able to hide the joke? Mm. It's, it's absurdist.
0: It's like airplane.
2: It is. It is absurdist. So... All I'm saying is maybe Tommy is just way more progressive than what we've all thought.
0: That's what I took from it. I took from it that he was like perfectly, he was like, oh, turns out it was a, a dude. Okay, cool. All right, rock on.
2: I have to say, though, uh, the cream and sugar joke. So with the semen dripping from the ceiling, was that a callback to anything? Because I don't remember. Uh, so for our audience who hasn't watched the film, there's come dripping from the ceiling as he has coffee. So he's asking if it's like cream or sugar. Is this a reference to anything? Because I don't remember. It's been so long since I've seen Austin.
0: I remember the line being in there, but I don't remember there being a visual joke.
1: It felt familiar, but again, it's been fucking
0: decades. I want to back up for a moment because the one scene where the accents implode in the film is right after the blowjob because the first time watching it, I'm like, this is impressive. Everybody's got a good like. These are all good accents. Like I was not, I was not anticipating high level of uh, commitment to the, the craft here, and and yet it has happened. But then after the blowjob, Tommy slips into this weird New York accent that doesn't come back. Like he, he's like like hey like uh, yeah I was gonna go to the, the well Doctor Evil, and I was like what? Where is this coming from? Like like <laughs> and it, and then it rewires again. But I like I've never seen that dip before.
2: They couldn't reshoot the scene, probably. Fair enough. More than likely. So, of course, in this film, Tommy not only plays Austin Powers, but he also plays Dr. Evil. And Dr. Evil is going to freeze himself in space on a penis rocket. So he cryogenically freezes himself. But uh, this film, I wouldn't say, is the most scientifically accurate, considering we see Dr. Evil, not surrounded by anything, launch himself into space.
1: That would end with one uh, not being able to breathe.
0: Disagree. See, I think it's like this. You know how you lose uh, 90% of the heat in your body through your head? So like if you've got a really good hat, you're okay. I think it's the same thing with space. You you lose most of your oxygen through your sphincter. So as long as that's plugged, you're fine. Like that's the the thing you got to concentrate on is have your sphincter plugged.
1: Have we ever tried sending an astronaut up with only their sphincter plugged?
0: Not to my knowledge. I don't know but it seems sturdy.
1: You should try it out. Talk to Elon Musk. He's got a way up.
2: So fun fact, there's actually a lot of permissions you need from the government in order to go into space. I don't know why I have this list, but I do. But you need permission from the government to build a rocket. You need permission from the FBI, NSA, and or CIA to build a rocket and prove to them that there's no ulterior motive. Clearly, he didn't check that box.
0: God, our, our country's been ruined. Why did we even fight the British if we can't launch rockets from our backyard? That was, I, I think, half the reason we kicked off the party.
2: You need authorization from the Department of Energy or the NNSA to build it. At what point do you need permission to build this rocket? At,
0: at what point does it go from fireworks to batshit crazy? Like, like, and, then, and then there's a rage after batshit crazy where you're Elon Musk. But that intermediate rage is the part where you kill lots of people by accident.
1: There's a range of, I'm building, I'm teaching, my, my kids got interested in rockets. And somewhere from, yeah, we made the biggest one that's available commercially, it switches over to, we accidentally uh, launched ourselves into war with North Korea. Like, where's the line? I want to know for academic purposes only.
2: So assuming you were able to get your own rocket fuel without purchasing it from the government, building it and whatnot, I guess um, the other thing that they do ask is also that you also contact NASA for scheduling a launch and developing escape trajectories from the Earth's gravitational pull. It's not really for your safety. I would assume it's probably for everybody else's safety.
0: Yeah. No, that, that, that makes a lot of sense to me because if you're like, hey, listen, I'm in Pittsburgh. Uh, and I've got this rocket, and and they're like, please don't shoot it in Pittsburgh. Like, we're going to tell you where to shoot it. You're probably going to die, but we at least want to do it over a cornfield.
1: You're going to hit the fucking space station. Please don't. The ISS costs a lot. We did research. You poured ANFO into a tube.
0: I've interviewed a few astronauts now, and the question I always want to ask him, and I always chicken out, is like, so anybody bang? Have we, have we had anybody up there do it yet? And apparently, I think a, a married couple went up there one time. So probably, because if, like, I don't know, I'm not married, but Yvette, if you were married, even if people were, like, in the other pod, but you had the opportunity to have zero-G sex, you would do it, right? Absolutely.
1: fucking lootly Yeah. Yeah. I hope I get the opportunity to just be in zero G, like in the, the quote, vomit comet, and somehow get the opportunity to bang in that. Like, just please. I just, I want a new weirdest place I could possibly have sex.
0: Yeah, Not not only would that be super, like, also, like, I'm just thinking the older I get as my endurance starts to decline, I feel like that's going to be much easier for me.
1: Are your knees starting to creak a little bit? Like,
0: No, it's eh, just, or- I can tell, there was a moment I, about a year ago where it was like, I need to jog more. Like, there's a little bit of cardio at work here, but I feel like if I were in space, like, it's just hip thrusting. Like, I'm fine. You Really, what you'd have to worry about is not bumping into stuff. That would be the main thing. I think you could probably easily injure yourself by accident. But maybe you bring straps or something.
1: Get yourself a little Velcro straps onto a couple different surfaces and just, it's would be. it seems like some pretty easy, like, some sex that inertia will help you through.
0: I think you'd also have to be real careful about body fluids because that's a dick move. If, like, you you don't capture him, like, squirts off. You're like, oh, no, that's (laughs) going to be bouncing around for three weeks. Ivan's going to be real (laughs) mad. Okay, get the Dustbuster.
2: Oh, God. Also, let's talk about cryogenics because, okay, so now uh, Dr. Evil uh, freezes himself, and obviously the government has to freeze Austin Powers, so that way he could defeat Evil in the future. But cryogenics, uh, I always assume that would be a bigger deal.
1: Yeah, I that was supposed to be the thing that you could just freeze a body and what if they had a disease that was incurable now and like eventually there'd be a cure and we could wake them up and we could cure It turns out this does not preserve a body. It just fucking freezes it and the body does what it does when you freeze a body and all the cells
0: you, Okay, for so for the most part. So you all know me is the delightful host of a policy, politics, and comedy podcast. But also, I am the host of a sci-fi podcast called Alienating the Audience. And about three months ago, I interviewed the director of the Cryonics Institute about this very thing. And oh, my
2: God. Tell us more. Uh, yes.
0: So, yeah. For, okay, first of all, uh, for anybody interested in cryonics, Walt Disney is not frozen. <gasps> no? Walt Disney's not. However, um, there's some— Can we
2: burn him in effigy? <laughs> you can always Ooh. burn
0: him in effigy. There's not, even if he was a popsicle, <laughs> you could burn him in FG. Okay. You know, okay, fine. Uh, yeah, he's not frozen. Um, the guy was very <laughs> bullish. I gotta say, like he, like, like he all but convinced me. And he's like, "So you gonna do it?" And I was like, "I don't know that I even want to live that long. Like, I'm not, I'm not sure I want to make it to 70 now, let alone in the future." But, uh, but no, he, he, they, they actually, they basically embalm you with a type of antifreeze fluid that keeps crystallization from happening, because crystallization is the big problem, right? Uh, it's, it's not so much the freezing, it's the thawing out, because at that point, um, specifically the brain, the crystals can break the cells. And at that point, your, your brain's just mush. And, and in my sci-fi scenario, presumably you're brought back and you're crazy and like, you know, you 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 know ruin the world or whatever. But they've, they've worked on that. Uh, so far, haven't brought anybody back, But they've got a lot of bodies that have been properly suspended and have been there for a while. So, I don't know. I wish them the best. Hope it
2: works out. Oh, there's probably a budget package where there's like two or three bodies shoved into one capsule. (laughs) Carpooling. (laughs) You know that's a thing.
1: They're like, look, we'll be able to reanimate you, but you're going to wake up with chlamydia. We're sorry. (laughs)
0: And we've cured everything. <laughs> Somehow chlamydia is now chronic, and, and there's nothing we could do. Sorry, you get you got ice chlamydia. It's the worst kind.
2: Oh man! But yeah, I was looking at the prices to freeze your body, and I mean, I know some memberships can be as low as like twenty-eight to thirty-five thousand a year, but you know, can be low. as much as two. Yeah, I say low, low. because. Two to three hundred thousand is some of the rates I was what, seeing what? too. What
0: twee posh service were you looking at, Alice? You need to look at the what
1: asshole <laughs> has three hundred. Okay, yeah, like there's I- no Groupon for this.
0: <laughs> if, if you go to the Cryotics Institute, what what they do is basically you can give them your or you can will them your life insurance policy. So that when you die, they collect that, and then it basically covers the thing. So there you go, Alice. You're welcome. You should freeze your body now.
2: So here's a trick. I don't own life insurance policy. Jokes on them. Oh. <laughs> That's how you get it for free.
0: Well, then try and slip in when they're freezing some other guy. Just like like get a running start, and like like try and jump into the capsule. See if maybe you can make it.
2: Make a couple of connections in there so uh, one day, you know, one of their lab technicians can just like, or a janitor can shove me into a capsule with someone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they didn't take the proper steps in my with my body, but who cares? It's a future. Maybe
0: you could just shame them into it because they, they all have like uh, little medallions that say, hey, if I drop dead, get my body to a freezer real quick. Just get one of those. And maybe if that happens and they contact the place, they'll be like, I don't remember this lady, but I, like, I feel kind of bad not freezing your body now. Like it, it basically, like Seinfeld, your way into, into being reanimated. Oh my God. Oh
2: man. So, uh, going back to rectal rockets. Mm. So, we have uh, Dr. Evil eventually wakes up in 1997. So, we have to obviously wake up Austin Powers so that way he could defeat his nemesis. So, we have Agent Kensington who jacks him off to wake him up.
0: Who's older now because she has glasses. If you didn't catch that, she, it's been 30 <laughs> years. For 20 years, but she has glasses now, so clearly she's a MILF, as opposed to previously where she was the hot young thing. Oh,
2: yeah. Correct. And she's had a daughter Mm -hmm. who's obviously— The same age as her. Exactly. And who's going to be taking care of Austin. And her mother is going to frequently make very uncomfortable uh, sexual references to her daughter about her sexual history with Austin and how she should bone him.
0: And I think that her daughter looks strikingly like Kate Nay Middleton, the Duchess of Cambridge which is how I liked to think of it during the film.
2: I didn't even consider that. I think she looks
0: a bit more like her than she does Elizabeth Hurley, although she's very attractive, by the way.
2: True. I can see it. So their big plan is, so Dr. Evil actually now owns a sex toy company as a front, and they're doing a casting call, so Austin's going to have to pose as a model, and Vanessa will be his agent. So Evil's lair. Let's talk about Dr. Evil and his henchmen for a second. So Evil comes back. He's doing pleasantries. We have... Frau Brawler, we have you know number agent number two. We have also Hork and Fish. I love this scene where he's do, exchanging pleasantries. Oh, uh, like with number two. Oh, how are the kids? Three and four. <laughs> so apparently there was only one issue with sending evil into space, which was he has a burnt ass and it's still on fire.
0: I didn't care for that bit. I'll, I'll tip the yeah. deck here. This is going to be weird for a guy that's on a porn cast, but I actually don't like scatological humor or cum jokes. And I didn't really – that bit I was like, meh, move
2: on.
1: Disliking scatological humor is a perfectly fine thing to dislike, sir.
2: Thank you. I did like the bit, though, uh, that they did next where he was trying to uh, kill Horkenfish. And so Dr. Evil says, "Well, I can't hear you over your screams. Horkenfish says, I'm not screaming, and then tries pressing a red button multiple times mm-hmm. and passes it around a room, and all of them keep pressing
1: the button. That was very perfectly in-universe. I dug that. Yeah,
2: totally. And then he passes it to Horkenfish, will you kill yourself, and then pushes the button. It doesn't work. Did you invent this? Oh, that's why it doesn't work.
0: I think that felt very much like the real Austin Powers universe. Because, like, I was anticipating them doing, like, a chair flipping or something, right? Because it's a very iconic scene with Will yeah. Ferrell. Uh, and it didn't happen. And I was like, this the awkwardness of competency-presuming execution and then responding as if in an office environment rather than being, you know, a mastermind it was very on the nose for Austin Powers.
2: I totally agree. When Mike
0: Myers wrote this porn script, he had not lost his touch. <gasps> well done, Mr. Myers.
2: What is Mike Myers doing nowadays anyway? Writing porn scripts,
1: obviously. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Hiding out in the woods in Canada away from society, I hope.
2: We have not heard from him in years, let's be frank. So if he's not working on like Shrek 6 through 10.
0: Shrek 18, I want to be a lesbian. Uh, Uh, Hopefully, we'll see if if it finally comes to fruition. We can only cope.
2: There's no Shrek porn.
1: What? Really? I've looked. It's weird that our reaction was both, what? Like this is a... Well, I I'm,
0: you you all would know way better than me. Are there particular genres that just don't get parodied within the pornverse or porniverse as it's known to scientists?
2: I would say that there's some older films like Dancing in the Rain that are not parodied. But, okay, let me take this back. There is Shrek hentai that exists. Okay. Uh, there is Shrek. Well, that counts. Oh, fine. Okay. But there's no parody porn. Mm, okay. Okay, fine. I guess for me, I care about the parodies because I care about the acting. Is voice acting not a kind of acting? I don't know. Um, who's a
1: good or bad voice actor? That's a good question. Uh, Mark Hamill, very good voice actor. Let's
0: say Mark Hamill's a great voice actor. Yeah. Batman animated series, fine work.
2: You know, there's some people who have just such a specific voice that I feel like they just can't become voice actors, like flavor flave.
0: I also feel like Patrick Stewart can only do very specific roles. Like, I can't imagine Patrick Stewart doing anything other than being an aristocratic leader of a movement. Hey, hey,
2: a- no. He,
1: he played the turd emoji in the Emoji movie. He pl- really? He Stop played, it. He played the poop.
0: Wow. Okay. So
1: he has range, sir.
0: I saw him in Waiting for, uh, for Godot on Broadway here a couple of years ago, and he's wonderful. Oh, but yeah. it's hard to believe he's a tramp because he's, oh, no, we're stuck here in the outdoors again. When will Godot come? And it like you just you don't buy it like at least the bit that he's a tramp.
2: If you could just speak like that for the rest of the podcast, that's all. And <laughs> that's just going to use that one clip uh, and uh, for personal purposes later.
0: This is what we got on Patrick Stewart to talk about uh, porn.
2: <laughs> one day we'll cover uh, the Star Trek porn, which was done very well, but we have yet to do it. What the Star Trek porn? Oh my god, yeah. I have not finished Next Gen yet, though, so we can't do it the yet. The
0: porn or the series.
2: The series? So, I want to get through the series because the porn has a lot of references to the series. Really?
0: Because I'm quite the Star Trek aficionado. I'm very curious to see what they link in.
2: Oh, we'll bring you back for that.
0: Thank you. And then I would bring back my Patrick Stewart impression.
2: You're welcome, Yvette.
0: Dear accountant, you may have noticed that I wrote off some porn in my deductible expenses this year. (laughs) The reason is that I was on Two Girls, One Mic, which is a porn cast. It is a part of my purview as an entertainer. I have answered your question Thank you.
2: We're bad influences. Or are we great? We're good influences, but at least we're not influencers. Mm. Speak for yourself. I'm an influencer. Oh, shit. I forgot.
1: People pay me just to be on the internet. (laughs) Fair point.
2: But do they pay you for your dick mold? But, um, next scene. Not yet. So, Tommy has to go and audition for, you know, what is it? They're apparently casting penis molds.
0: I think for the for the nuke bomb, right? Like, they, they're trying to find the ideal penis for the, the nuke that's going to go into the world. Is that the same thing, or are they unrelated?
2: I don't know. That's my question. Are they at least trying to turn a profit to fund this penis bomb? You see,
0: okay, this is where the writing perhaps becomes a tad obtuse. Because I feel like the intro for this was the young woman portraying an Italian actress... She's on her knees for some reason and referencing like I, when, when the big thing happens, it really – like, but I couldn't quite follow. I could tell that it was like a, a, the humor was that he thinks she's talking about a blowjob, but she is not. She is talking about something which is unrelated to fellatio. I got lost at that point because I wasn't quite clear.
2: All I know is her name was a lot of vagina, which is straight from Austin Powers. It is. Did they change it at
1: all? Like or like? I feel like the pronunciation was slightly different, but
2: no idea. Although I did appreciate knowing where you know number two's name came from. You know the origin story behind that. Uh, parents were not mathematicians, sewage technicians. You know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I guess that's one thing I don't know. I mean, I I think that they did Andrew reference that they used. The Tommy pistol penis mold to make the rocket, but I was also very confused there because Tommy's uncircumcised, but the rocket was circumcised.
0: Maybe when the rocket's going through the air, the foreskin pulls back like a parachute.
2: Ooh, that could be why his penis was perfect for that role.
0: Or it could have been made by Jewish engineers.
2: You know, we're going to (laughs) get some (laughs) letters about— I don't get anything for a foreskin
0: engineering joke. That's fine. All right.
2: I was going to say we're going to get letters about Jewish conspiracy theories again.
0: Is, is
1: that a regular thing? Would Jewish engineers know what to do with foreskin because we're used to, the Jews aren't used to working with foreskin? Mm,
0: that's true. I guess it, like unless it's specifically a rabbi. That's a good point. You got
1: right, your your who works with the foreskin joke mixed up.
0: You're right. That's that was the problem.
2: You Goyim <laughs> and your foreskin. Sorry. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> So after some boning, I know, uh, let's see, uh, so we eventually get to a part the, where Vanessa and Austin are, you know, found out by Dr. Evil's henchmen, and they're tied up. And we find out that, uh, so Dr. Evil has named this uh, rocket the pop shot. Oh, so fembots. So they escape being tied back to back to each other, and they bone some fembots, and you know that of course overloads and destroys the fembots because why wouldn't it? Of course.
0: Wait, did we miss a step? Because I I feel like there's there's dual sex going on between Austin Powers and the Italian lady, and between Kensington and Number Two. But then at the end, when he's given her a a thank you and and a and a job well done, he asks how your mom is. And she says she's fine, but he says her actual mom, thus indicating that he knows who she is and was having sex with her at that same time.
2: Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Do you think uh, number two ever boned her mom?
0: Probably. I think in this universe there's only about 40 people, so the likelihood that that happens is high.
1: We need to find the prequel.
2: I mean, there's no gold member version of the porn, so I want that film. But yeah, you're right. I did skip ahead. So you're right. They get found out. Then they get, uh, you know, captured. We find out the name of the rocket is a pop shot. Then uh, they have to bone fembots to get out of that circumstance. And Vanessa says she's too tired. So Austin has to abandon her. And she points out that there's, like, this massive sign that shows where Dr. Evil's direction actually is, which is great and comical and very Austin Powers-ish. But my favorite part of that was that there's an alarm that keeps going on about when the rocket's going to go off. And he keeps pointing out, wait, didn't they just say two minutes, like, 30 seconds ago? Yeah.
0: Which, again, very on brand for Austin Powers. I I am impressed. Yeah. They did did a very good job making it. And can I add to this? It's very difficult to make a parody of a comedy. Like, that's a tough thing to do. So, like, like I make parodies on a regular basis with other, other groups that I'm a part of that are unrelated to pornography. And one of the things that we have learned is that you don't want to start with a comedy. Because, like, like, like I love Anchorman, for example. Anchorman one of my favorite films. But it's already funny. So you're not going to take it and make it more funny. and You're going to fail, most likely, unless you're as funny as those writers and that actor. You're not going to make it work. So it's better to take something that's not funny and make it funny, right? So to take a, a comedy and be able to run tangentially with it into your own humor and pull it off is very impressive.
2: And the fact that even his interactions of Austin with Dr. Evil, you know, when Austin gets a abort button, it's very similar to how Austin and Dr. Evil would interact mm-hmm. of... Don't touch a button, and Austin tries doing like these hand motions that look like a karate chop, and it's almost as if like a little kid is going to be like, "I'm not touching it, but I'm touching it."
0: Yeah, it, it has that awkwardness of of juxtaposed behavior, right? Because it's it's petty legalism on the playground that is playing out. I know this doesn't sound remotely funny, but this is when my, my comedian brain goes into analytical mode. That particular behavioral pattern is playing out in what would otherwise be the end of the world around a nuclear launch button. And and it's very Austin Powers to juxtapose the, the very serious with the very ridiculous, the very mundane.
2: So let's talk about how this entire situation is resolved, because ultimately what ends up happening is Dr. Evil accidentally fires his gun towards Vanessa Austin blocks it, the bullet bounces off his tooth and uh, hits the abort button, which was very conveniently placed. And the rocket, you know, self-destruction doesn't go off. Well, let's talk about British bad teeth, that myth <laughs> and trope. Why does that exist? Because obviously, according to this porn, the Brits have more superior teeth.
0: That's a good point. They're like, they're in, in this universe, straightening your teeth weakens them. When you corral a tooth, it becomes placid and useless. But when you leave it feral, that's when it's strong (laughs) enough to break a bullet.
1: I lived in England, and the teeth seemed kind of the same as ours over here. Like, you know, some of the teeth were ultra super ridiculously straight like fence posts. Some of them were kind of crooked. There weren't a lot of teeth like Austin Powers. The myth of the bad British teeth comes from uh, – I'd had it explained, and it was from some things that were true about British dental care like in the 60s.
0: Could be. And, we, and people love making national stereotypes. For whatever reason in America, we've inherited making fun of the French even though we've never gone to war with them. Like they're one of the only countries – like we wouldn't exist if it weren't for the French yeah. twice.
1: But we're going to make fun of them for surrender br- –
0: yeah, and then we make fun of them for stuff that's like Parisian specific because you like go out outside of Paris is very different and all that. I lived in Scotland for a while and the Scots, their their teeth is fine. I think what you can make fun of them for is severe vitamin D deficiency coupled with rampant alcoholism and a lot of <laughs> fried pork. That's the thing you could make fun of British people for.
1: For thinking that a healthy breakfast involves a fried slice of bread. Right. That is – and then looking at Americans going, why do you all eat like crap?
0: I love Scotland, but literally all of the food is like something I would come up with to sell at a carnival. It's like, well, yeah, you'll fat fry that and then we'll deep fat fry a pizza uh, and, uh, and wash it down with eight to nine pints. It'll be good.
1: It's not food. <laughs>
2: it's a challenge.
0: <laughs> but fine teeth will do it.
2: So speaking of teeth, I actually, so I decided to do some quick Googling right now. Hollywood and movies definitely played a part in it. So I assumed, you know, the smiles were just, you know, from American films probably just came off as whiter and straighter. And probably, you know, because of that uh, versus foreign made films that we saw. And I mean, Americans can't speak any other language if it's not English. So we compared our teeth to theirs and we were like, that's weird.
1: Americans have a thing for artificially straighter teeth is what it comes down to.
2: If I had the buddy, I I feel like eventually when I'm much older or in Hollywood, I'll buy an extra set of teeth. Mm. They look nice.
0: I'm against all of these things. I have straight teeth and I did it through sheer force of will. I would look in the mirror at night and just will the teeth into position like a self-respecting adult male and have done that. And I'm not going to have fucking crutches for my teeth like they're invalids.
1: You moved your teeth with your bootstraps, is what exactly. you're saying. Exactly,
0: yes. I, I bootstrapped my, yes, but I give this through sheer force of will.
1: A doctor with a bunch of lasers and with a 3D printer got my teeth moved when I was, I had braces when I was 32. Really? Invisalign,
0: yeah. Were you redoing something or had you not no, done something?
1: No, I I had never had braces and like Did it you talk was... with a
0: British accent before that? <laughs>
1: Please don't tell me I have a British accent, oh dear God. Uh, It's (laughs) Oh no, I
0: I was trying to make a joke that if your teeth were fucked up, that you probably Uh, had an English accent, like as if the two were correlated. Man, syllogisms are funny.
1: No, but... (laughs) Like when you do media, it's really hard seeing pictures of yourself with like teeth that are just, you know, screwed up in every which way. And like after I was to the end of the course of, uh, of Invisalign, they did a little bit of cosmetic dentistry and man, huge difference. Mm. So, but it's like, the, I, I like that it doesn't quite look like a veneer smile. It still looks n- natural-ish.
2: When I was a kid, my uh, parents told me the reason my teeth were straight is because I ate apples and the crusts of bread.
0: That's some good. Uh, that's some good positive lying uh, that your parents <laughs> slipped in there. I applaud that.
2: Oh, they still believe it. <laughs> wow.
0: <laughs> you guys know the the carrots thing. You know, you know how like carrots are supposed to make your eyes good. You both have a wonderfully rational, skeptical mind. So have you covered this previously?
2: Actually, we haven't. But uh, I've heard this one before. I know the rumor.
0: Well, I mean, what they tell you, at least when I was a kid, they would say that, like, beta-carotene is great for your eyes. If you eat lots of carrots, you won't get glasses. And that was, like, part of the – that was just standard knowledge where I grew up. And where that came about was during World War II, the British, who at the time had horrendous teeth that were deserving of being made fun of by ours and every nation, were fighting the Germans, and uh, they developed radar – and they didn't want the Germans to know they had radar. So whenever people were asking, like, how are the British pilots so good? They'd be like, it's because they eat a lot of carrots. Our scientists figured out that beta carotene is really good for eyesight. So say, That's how they can pick out those Germans in the clouds. They have such good eyesight. And that just became oh proliferated throughout our culture. And we never bothered correcting it.
2: There is a little truth to that in a sense that our bodies convert it into vitamin A uh, carotene. So it has immune and you know eye health benefits, but I don't think super night vision is one of them.
1: There's also um, about half a million people a year go blind from vitamin A deficiency. Hmm. So it's not that you get like better vision from it. It's just that you can lose your vision from not getting sufficient.
0: It's sort of like the equivalent of like eyeball scurvy, where if you eat carrots, you stave that off.
1: I'll just go with yes. It's just you. easy, easy enough way to.
0: <laughs> it's just easier to validate my opinion. Yeah.
1: Like, I'm not going to overcomplicate that and be like, well, that's a completely different thing. Like, no, just, just fucking. Meanwhile, yeah. I'm going to
0: have nightmares about eyeball scurvy. The new horror that I have unleashed into my
1: own life. Like, if you've eaten, like, an apple any time within the last, like, month, you're not going to go blind from vitamin A deficiency. Like, no. it's pretty – we're we're talking people who are in the developing world who just don't have access to right. – uh,
2: I was going to say, are you going to really undermine Americans like that?
1: Yes. No.
2: <laughs> I will prove to you how fucking stupid I am. <laughs> Right after a show event. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll sit
1: back and I'll take notes.
2: All right. Uh, so I guess, Andrew, I have a quick question. Mm. Do you have uh, 15 minutes after a show to kill for some Patreon content? Sure. Let's do it. So Patreons, you're going to get extra Patreon content with us and Andrew.
0: And I have been holding back, if anything, I have been phoning it in <laughs> so far. <laughs> And I am now. Now that I know that there's money on the line, and they told me beforehand I'm getting a cut of it, and I'm going to hold them to it. Now I'm going to bring it. So look forward to that, Patreon subscribers.
2: Oh, I didn't say you were going to get any money from it.
0: Oh, okay, all right.
1: What she said was money shot, and I'm the one giving it to her.
0: Okay, cool. And then, and then this, this is third cuck from the sun scenario really? or something like that, where I'm just watching this, and that's yeah, fine, cool.
2: Third cuck <laughs> from the sun so we have some patrons to thank this week as usual so this week we want to thank john mike sorbetsko brian Gowdy, chris clark philip Bazo, vincent wetmore michael gatt jimmy lee bonnie rick aiden elisa reed decker carl and many many others And if you want to become a patron as well, head on over to patreon.com slash mic or mic.com, hit the patron button, or just support us also on PayPal with a one-time donation. But Andrew, thank you so much for coming on. Where can our listeners hear you and all of your many podcasts? Uh,
0: I I had a blast. Thank you very much for coming on. And and incidentally, uh, my audience loves you both. And I got tons of messages in in the wake of your appearance on my show where uh, people were saying, I thought rather mean things like these People are so funnier than you. Why don't you have them on all the time? Uh, so while I resent you, I am very grateful uh, and, and very much <laughs> enjoyed being on your program. For people that enjoyed me, I host two podcasts. I host Alienating the Audience, which is a sci-fi podcast in which I talk to. I either do a really deep dive on, on science fiction. Actually, you know what? This is my pitch to your listeners. You've, you've become slightly dirty by listening to this, but if you listen to my sci-fi podcast, your virginity will actually grow back because it's <laughs> that dorky. Uh, And I I basically alternate between doing like the meaning of sci-fi and we'll talk about like Battlestar Galactica and what that meant and like the the war on terror and religion – Or I'll I'll talk to an actual uh, scientist uh, about something. Like I I recently became friends with uh, Lord Martin Rees, the Astronomer Royal of the United Kingdom, who I will ask to come on your (laughs) porncast because I think that would be pretty amazing. The other program that I have that you all have previously been on is the Political Orphanage. On Wednesdays, I interview authors, thought leaders. I get substantive. My main thing is I just, I like problem solving instead of partisan histrionics. So if you're one of those people and you're kind of tired of the red team versus blue team thing and you just kind of want to think and learn things, I am a pithy explainer and interviewer in that capacity. But on Fridays, I bring on delightful people like Yvette and Alice to help me sort out the week's funnier headlines and what I call Friday Release Fab. And that's all on the other podcast I do, The Political Orphanage.
2: And we're still going to link them in the show notes as well. Great!
0: So. I can't, I can't wait for this because normally it's like a bunch of moderates and PGR work libertarian fans, and I, I want like the pie chart to now become third, like hardcore porn plot enthusiasts. So this would really like change the scope of the show; it would be great.
1: I don't know what the political mix of our audience is. Not a clue.
2: Very liberal, and we have some people and a who are libertarian streak and libertarian. Yeah, we have had some. Republicans listen to our show but unfortunately then we'll say something that's like super lefty and then they'll be like we can't listen to you anymore it's like I thought you said you weren't the triggered ones
0: wait let me let me get this straight real quick so first of all I'm not surprised that like Libertine would seem to be the, the core base yeah. of your audience right that doesn't surprise me because like I, I've been to Burning Man and like Super hardcore progressive hippies and libertarians all like doing acid.
1: Libertarycrat, and they, they, our, our yeah, audience. Like, so so
0: I, I totally get that. The group that surprises me, though, is the person who's like, you know what I'm going to do? I really want to hear some funny ladies talk about people blowing and sucking. That's the thing I want. Like, I, I want cum jokes and, like, all this stuff. But then you're like, yeah, we don't like Ted Cruz. And they're like, what? I'm offended. I can't oh, bear yeah. this. I, I like being able to cross the one line but not the other.
1: They want to jerk off to us, but they don't want to hear that we have a different opinion from them on the events of the world. Like, it's just, it's very strange. Like, this is why when I hear people complain about cancel culture, I'm like, look, cancel, this goes in every direction. Everyone gets mad when someone else has a different opinion from them. We get it too. Like, and I used to, like, one of the... main things that I do for the Sci-com, uh stuff that I do is talk about GMOs. And I'm very pro-GMO, and I'm very pro-modern farming, and I'm very pro-vaccine. And the left doesn't always love me for that. And here's the thing, I say it anyway, because it's true. And lately, a lot of the science I'm pushing is stuff that is, quote, anti-Republican. And it's like, look, I'm not going to bend on germ theory. That's <laughs> just... Just where we are right now. So it's been it's been a very strange evolution of of stuff.
0: Well the good this. news is it'll all be fixed by December. And then we can, yeah, we can all been, move on.
1: Everyone's oh gonna God. be back to normal yeah. and nothing's ever gonna be found ever again. Right, exactly. <laughs> Anyways.
2: Event where can our listeners find you? <laughs> Y'all can find me crying over
1: at, <laughs> at Twitter and Instagram at the SciBabe and over at facebook.com slash SciBabe where I have biweekly weekly uh, live streams where we talk about COVID and we have guests and we do Q&As and it's pants optional and we occasionally lick the screen. Alice, where can our listeners find you? And all things the podcast.
2: You know, you could pay me extra and a vet extra to lick screens, I guess, over on Patreon.com slash Two Girls Mike. But we are on all the Instagram and social media channels, so Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at TGOM Podcast. Of course, tell all your friends, your family, your mailman, your men in blue, MTA workers, policemen, we don't care, or just the blue man group. Or the guy from Eiffel 65 who had that song about blue people. They were blue. I'm deep. They were blue. Uh, tell them all to listen to our show. Uh, and you can find me, Alice, over at Rational Blonde on Twitter because I fucking hate Instagram. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I run our Instagram and I hate it.
1: I run my Instagram and I have access to our Instagram and I – look, there's nowhere to go and nothing to do. I ran out of content.
2: I
0: mostly use Instagram now. I will green screen myself in some situation and then write a ridiculous backstory. It's so like Thursdays is, it's like throwback Thursdays, the thing. And so I'll like, I'll put up a thing and it'll be like this whole thing about how I was in a procedural cop series in the seventies. And I'll like, and I'll just see who actually kind of buys it. Like I had one about how I, I guest hosted Where the World is Carbon, San Diego. And like the amount of people that were like, that's amazing. Like that, that was a great show. Like I didn't know that you did that. And I was like, yeah, I like it.
2: Amazing. All right. So thanks for coming on, Andrew. And we'll see you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye
0: bye. Bye.